right, the Jets, a couple of victories in a row, now 3-3 three and three overall this season. Yeah, impressive win yesterday against the Indianapolis Colts. Sloppy football game, but they came out on top, and we are joined right now by Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. How are you tonight, Manish? I'm good, Pete. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, one thing that I loved in yesterday's game was the aggressiveness at the end of the first half. And I know it only resulted in a field goal, but the kind of thing that we haven't seen a, a ton of from the Jets in recent years that, that's so important. They trust your quarterback to make the right decisions, make some plays down the field, add a field goal before the half to take a two-score lead. Uh, how significant do you think that was as a, a moment in this game for the Jets? I thought it was very important. Uh, I think you hit on the key word, trust. Uh, trust not only in the quarterback, but trust in the offense. And uh, I think that Todd Bowles is at a place right now where he believes that Jeremy Bates is going to make the proper decisions uh, in terms of play calling and that Sam Darnold, even though he's only six games into his NFL career, is going to make uh, the proper decisions on the field. So I, I agree with you. You know, you, what, 50 seconds, somewhere around there, uh, at the end of the half, it could have been easy to, to maybe run the ball out or uh, just go into halftime with the lead. But the fact that they did maintain that attacking mindset, I, I think, was an important uh, you know, piece to that game. Obviously, there are so many different things that happened that ultimately determined uh, the final score. But uh, I, I like the attitude. You know, I like the attitude from the head coach down to the OC, down to the quarterback. And I think that's the type of play that you really have to have moving forward, especially since you want to – you know, give trust to your young quarterback and tell him that you know you believe in him and you believe that he can succeed in you know situations like that. That's how you develop a guy. It can't be red light, yellow light. You got to give him the green light a little bit. And the Jets doing that with uh, with Sam Darnold. Would you say there are any limitations at all that the Jets have in place, considering this is the youngest quarterback to start since the merger and he is only six games into his career? Or is he fully in the deep end of the pool now? I thought, frankly, he was in the deep end of the pool uh, when the season started. Yeah. and may, may, Maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but I think once they got past that three-game stretch in 11 days, once they got onto a regular routine here over the last several weeks, playing you know once a week or you know playing once every six days, uh, I, I think once they got in, out of that really weird uh, vortex of, of you know three games in 11 days, I think at that point they, you know they felt comfortable and handing over the reins, for lack of a better phrase, to Sam Darnold. They know he's going to make mistakes, and he has made mistakes. Yesterday I thought it was a terrific game, but he did make one mistake uh, on the interception. Uh, that was a play that he that wasn't really his fault. If you look closely at that play, the snap was low, so that kind of put things off of rhythm to begin with. And then he had a pass rush, a guy really flying in his face. Uh, he actually... Uh, hit his elbow, I believe, on a, a pass rusher's helmet. So that kind of threw things off as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, this is going to be what this season is. It's, you know, it's a 3-3 three and three start. They were 3-3 three and three last year. I don't know if they're going to run the table. I would imagine that they wouldn't run the table. Uh, I just think that it's going to be a seesaw. You're going to see ups and downs. But they're clearly playing really well right now. And it, it's exciting to see because, uh, only six games in. Sam Darnold has done so many great things that fans probably don't even realize. You know, in this first month and a half in his career, what would be one of those things? Well, if you look at a play, yes, yesterday, it's easy to look at the touchdowns. That's what everyone gravitates towards. And and I thought the touchdown pass to Terrell Pryor, the seven yarder, was great in terms of just uh, trusting the receiver, you know, letting it slide before. Pryor actually turned around and fitting it in to a tight space. There were three guys around Pryor uh, on that route. 
and uh, Darnold just had a, a lot of confidence not only in himself but in his receiver uh, to kind of fit that in there. But there was another play that isn't going to get that much attention. Uh, you know, I'm sure most people don't even remember it. It was a third and nine, I believe, in which Darnold hit Robbie Anderson on a, a slant. And what was so interesting about that play was that he took the snap. He knew prior to to taking the snap that he was going to go to Robbie Anderson, who was lined up outside the numbers on the right. He knew he was going to go there. But the way that the, the Colts play defense, you know, they really flood the middle. They play a Tampa 2 style, which is a soft cover 2, which you have a, a middle linebacker kind of roaming the short, intermediate, and deep areas of the field. And in order to make a slant work against that type of defense, you really need to get the middle linebacker out of that middle space, out of that center area, and what Darnold did after the shotgun snap was that he looked to his left, and if you looked at the middle linebacker's reaction, it was Darius Leonard, he took a one hop to his right. And when he did that, that vacated the middle of the field so that there would be enough space for Robbie Anderson to run the slant. And Darnold fired it in there, and it was a 19-yard gain. And, again, if you look at it you know, on TV, it probably just looks like your garden variety slant. But if you actually look at how Darnold dissected the play and how he really manipulated the defender with his eyes right after the snap, that's a veteran move. That's a quarterback who's been in this league for five or ten years. That's what those guys do. And that's not an easy thing in real time for a rookie quarterback to do. And so I was really impressed by that. And, again, you know, that ultimately did lead to the Terrell Pryor touchdown later in that drive. But just a fantastic play. You've seen him do that at different points in the first five games but that's a play that uh, I know that people inside the building were raving about yeah and that's something that Baker Mayfield has gotten a lot of credit for over the years to be able to slide defenders around with his eyes and, and Darnold just doesn't have as much experience as Mayfield throughout college but uh, you know picking those things up as he goes along And if you want to see the video of that you can check out Manish's uh, Twitter account NYDN, and uh, breaking down some of the, the key plays in yesterday's game um, just uh, personality-wise, we're talking again, Manish Mehta, the New York Daily News. Have we learned much about Sam Darnold in terms of how he's going to uh, approach these postgames? They've had some relatively big wins. They had the terrible loss against the Browns. Is it the same guy every time? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you know people have said that really ad nauseum here over the last six months, but the most emotion that you're going to see out of Sam Darnold is probably what you saw after his touchdown pass to Chris Herndon. It was Herndon's first career touchdown. And you saw Darnold give like a, an emphatic, or for you know, for for his you know, relatively speaking, an emphatic fist pump, and that's really what you're going to get. You're not going to get too many you know outrageous things beyond that. But he's just an even keel guy. It's weird because he's from Southern California and he's got that element of Southern California cool. But there's a lot of guys from Southern California that I've interacted with in my career who almost kind of you know feel aloof. You know, that when you hear Southern California cool, I think some people believe that's, you know, someone who's kind of detached and, and aloof. And that's not really who Sam Darnold is. And in my exposure with him, you know, talking to him, uh, you know, privately, just, you know, if we're just kind of chatting about things that have nothing to do with football or just having like a pleasant conversation, it, it is really interesting because he really does not come across as a 21-year-old person. He comes across as if he's 30 or 35. I actually tell them that all the time. He's, he seems much more closer in age to me than uh, 
than what he actually is. And he could be my, my kid, to be frankly honest <laughs> with you. So uh, that's just an endearing and important quality in terms of being able to handle the pressures of this job that he has. Well, I'm curious, uh, being that I don't think we've gotten a ton of insight as to you know, his personality and interests. Like if you're shooting the breeze with him, and I'm not sure what you're willing to share, but like what are some of the things, there's certain TV shows that he, you, you can you know, BS with him a little bit. Like what, 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 is, what can you go back and forth with him about? Yeah, that's actually a good question because I did ask him what his favorite movie was, and it's Shawshank Redemption. And I don't remember the exact year that Shawshank came out, but I'm pretty certain it was before he was born. Yeah. So he, I remember asking him, <laughs> how did that come about? And he said that you know, that was one of his father's favorite movies. So his dad kind of sat him down at a young age. And I believe he told me he's watched it, I want to say, eight or nine times. Uh, it kind of goes back to what Todd Bowles had said in the past about. Donald being an old soul. Uh, he is really a, a loyal guy. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, I'm not sure if this has been shared, but when when they won the Rose Bowl, when he had that dynamic game, there was an after party, as you would expect, right, from, you know, run by the USC and their boosters, and Darnold did not go to that. He, you know, he had a lot of media responsibilities, as you would expect, but afterwards he told me that he drove back to San Clemente, where he's from, and he just you know, hung out with his parents and a couple close friends uh, from his neighborhood. And uh, I believe he actually took his uniform home as well and, uh, you know, asked his mom to kind of preserve it. So, uh, and that's just the kind of guy he is. If you, you know, if you're a 20-year-old kid or 19, I don't know how old he was at the time of that game, and you have the game of your life and you're on top of the world and have this epic comeback in, in one of the biggest stages in college football, a lot of guys in that position would want to kind of bask in that glory that night. And, you know, you're going to be celebrated not only as a team, but individually he was certainly going to be celebrated by the USC community. And I know that he loved going to college there, but his immediate thought was to drive the, I don't know what it was, 50 miles, whatever mm -hmm. it is, drive back home, be with his folks, and be with some of his friends who have been with him, you know, since childhood. To me, that, you know, that was something that, now, that really resonated with me. I don't know, Ethan, if you shared that story with anyone. Maybe he has, but I thought that was a pretty cool story. Yeah, certainly some insight into you know what Sam Darnold is all about, and certainly uh, you know a, a little different than uh, than most twenty one year olds uh, in the past or now. As we chat with Manish Mehta, the New York Daily News, uh, there were some key injuries for the Jets yesterday. He reported Quincy Anunua, a high ankle sprain. Uh, how how costly might that be for the Jets? Look, I think it's an, an important loss. You don't want to diminish that. This is a guy who's gotten basically, I think it was 24% of Sam Darnold's target share through the first six weeks. He's the team leader statistically in receptions, uh, targets, of course, and in receiving yards. But there's a lot of guys, uh, to be honest with you, that Darnold has to throw to, whether it's Jermaine Kearse, Robbie Anderson, Terrell Pryor has uh, scored a touchdown each of the last two weeks. You've got Bilal Powell, who you know is a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Chris Herndon seems to be coming into his own. Neil Sterling came back yesterday, and I thought did a pretty good job, you know, given that he had missed some time with a concussion. So I think there's enough weapons out there, enough options for Darnold, where this offense won't, you know, take a you know a significant step backward. Uh, I, I don't want to diminish the fact that that Quincy Numa was gone because, uh, you know, he is an important piece to the the toughness of this offense. So good run after the catch. Mm -hmm. And a guy with a high ankle sprain, who knows how long it's going to be. You tend to think it's about a month. Uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit more depending on you know how the, the pain is and 
depending on, you know, what the, the medical staff thinks is the smart thing to do because the last thing you want to do with a high ankle sprain is to come back and have it linger the rest of the year. So, I, you know, I think, you know, it's important uh, – you know, it's an important loss, but it's not something that the Jets can't overcome. Marcus May, to me, is probably the bigger loss. Uh, he has a broken thumb. My understanding is that the team thinks that he will be gone for three to four weeks. There's a chance that could change if if he can somehow play with a cast. We'll, you know, we'll find out about that. But what we did see in those first three weeks without Marcus May is that they did struggle at that position. Doug, you know, Doug Middleton did have some hiccups, uh, and if you looked closely at those games. There were times where he was out of position, and, and those are, you know, the parts in the game where you would think that Marcus May would not be out of position or could make a play. So I think that uh, Marcus May's loss, frankly, is, uh, you know, a little bit more impactful uh, than the Quincy Anuma loss. Well, a couple of key ones there, uh, either way, with May as well as Quincy Anunua, as you reported today. And then uh, some good news as far as the defensive coordinator, Casey Rogers, is concerned. Yeah, he's going to be back in the building uh, full-time. Uh, Todd Bowles said today they're going to ease him back in. We'll find out what his role on game day will be. I, I tend to believe that if he is going to be involved in play calling, it'll probably be, be a little bit more uh, you know, Todd Bowles than Casey Rogers. We'll find out. It's early in the week. Uh, and, and the Jets, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, feel comfortable with Todd Bowles being uh, you know, heavily involved in the play calling. And, again, you don't want to put too much on Casey Rogers' plate. I just think it's important, you know, from a morale standpoint, anybody who knows Casey Rogers has been around Casey Rogers knows that, you know, he's, he's a terrific guy. He's a, he's a great influence on these players. And, uh, you know, to have a scare like he did uh, a week and a half ago, uh, you know, to clear that hurdle and to be back with the team, it, it is important. But to, in terms of logistics and how – He's going to actually work with Todd Bowles on game day uh, this week specifically. You know that remains to be seen. Yeah, they'll uh, they'll figure that out. But certainly uh, positive news when yeah, it, it seemed as if it could be something very serious the way they were talking about it. And um, you know, good that uh, he he was back in the building yesterday too, right? He was. He, as Todd Bowles said, was a casual observer up in the coach's box. Uh, I, I think that was more about Casey Rogers kind of itching to get back with the team. Uh, they were waiting for test results to come back today. There was nothing that he could have done yesterday. So, he, you know, he felt up to it, and I think that's why Todd Bowles uh, said, hey, you know, you just hang out with the, with the guys and don't stress yourself and don't worry about any kind of, uh, you know, game uh, game planning or play calling. Uh, I'm sure he offered his advice, uh, you know, during the course of the game. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see him back. You know, like I said, it means a lot to the players. You can talk to any player privately, they'll tell you what uh, Casey Rogers uh, means to them. And just even if you've been around, if you're a reporter and you've been around Casey Rogers for a few years, you know that he's a, you know, he's a stand-up solid guy. All right, Manish Mehta, the New York Daily News. Great stuff, Manish. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Take care. Yeah, thank you too. And then, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, some fun breakdown of some of the tape and, uh, some of the plays that Sam Darnold was able to make. You can check it out, uh, at Manish Meta on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, Manish, uh, was, uh, was all over some of the injury situations there, breaking down what's going on with the Nunwa, as well as Marcus May, which, uh, yeah, could be a considerable loss for a defense that's been giving up a lot of yards, uh, even if, you know, they did rack up some turnovers yesterday at some key times.